we usually worked with a buffer, and we haven't had a buffer for a little bit. So I've kind of just been, this is my excuse for being late these last couple weeks. I've kind of just been, like, one or two more days late every time until <laughs> I just get a full week behind, and then we have a buffer. Heck that's yeah. That's secret plan. No, 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 that's, that's perfect. I do that with work shit all the time. Lowered expectations. Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I have to apologize to Sam because apparently this is the one time he prepared in advance and had like three or had like five mantra topics. And I I started us off with a fairly uh, mediocre one. So Sam, break me off like one or two of those. Okay. And to be clear, I said I had five of them. I did say I had five good ones. I just said that five things happened to me during this week that could be potentially worth uh, an opening banter. Uh, so the first one, car repair. Second one, work desk holiday decorations. The third one, cowboy bebop. The fourth one, war machine tournaments. And the fifth one, twilight imperium tournaments. Harry, do any of those sound like juicy meat for a potential banter in the future, or maybe apparently now, maybe this is not but banter. I'm not ready to scream about Cowboy Bebop yet. I'd like to watch at least a couple episodes. Uh, we've covered Twilight Imperium tournaments. Uh, maybe I don't know what. Like, what's your holiday desk situation? So uh, apparently, at my work, and you know, this is uh, this is my first uh, Christmas season at my current workplace. Uh, I started there, you know, late January uh, last year. Uh, so. It turns out that there's a holiday uh, desk decorating competition every year for a for a prize, and the people in the oh, office no. are actually pretty pushy about people participating in it. Well, I, I was gonna say like competition, Sam. I, you're you're very competitive. You you can protest all you want, but you are going to get into this. I mean, no, no, no. Like, I, I I'm competitive, but I'm competitive about objective things i'm competitive about like things that can be objectively scored and graded whereas something like a holiday desk decorating thing is entirely subjective and it's you know it's about art it's about presentation it's about feel and those are things that i don't necessarily care about (laughs) oh there's there's no bullshit loophole for you to find and exploit no no it's just like there will be people walking around and grading and you know determining who wins and who loses so i've determined that if i'm going to do a holiday desk decorating i'm going to do it weird uh which means i'm going to have like you know a seed of a snowy field with some presents on it which slowly fades into a uh a star wars legion uh battle scenario with all the hoth figurines that i own off the top of my head, I would probably do, like, a Lego diehard diorama. Mm-hmm. With, like, very bloody as much as possible. Like, I would have, like, dead bodies and, like, exploding, like, that exploding police APC. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's a, there's an $800 Lego AT-AT set out there that is the perfect scale for Star Wars Legion miniatures. And I'm not going to get it. 
I am not, Harry. I'm... You value your marriage too much. Yes. <laughs> but man, I want to. <laughs> like, I'd say maybe for Christmas if you ask for it, but not, no, but none of us are buying that for you. No, absolutely not. And it's, you know, it, like, I, I love it. It looks great. But man, I don't love it $800. Like those Lego sets, they're great. Not cheap. Speaking of loving something, but not loving it maybe as much as you would really want to, let's talk about these couple of episodes of uh, GoBusters. Because, I mean, they're not bad or anything, it's just like, uh, you know, they're not, like, crazy good. Okay, so we have two episodes this week. Uh, I would say one is significantly better than the other. One is, like, kind of, is like a solid B-, and the other is both very good and very bad for entirely different reasons. One felt like a recycled script from another season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and that's the first one we're covering, so let's talk about it. Wait, it it's not? No, it's not. It's episode 12. Oh, oh yeah, well, that, that parts of that were recycled, but also there are just some weird stuff in there. Oh, I guess, okay. Uh, this, is, this may be a week where we have differing opinions on things, but hey, uh, yeah, let's get into episode 11, so... We start episode 11 uh, in media res with uh, Enter breaking into like one of those power generator on the street thingies, whatever they're called. Transformers. Are those transformer stations, Harry? Yeah, as the as our theme song would say, like they're the transformers and he, he's just like rip, ripping into some basic energy stuff and the go posters show up. He, he compliments their their speed, their response time. Frankly, this seems like something he should be doing more. Like if we just have. If we just have Energon flowing throughout the city, it seems like he should be able to just kind of passively tap a lot of these things and be like, okay, I'm good. I mean, I think that's what he does, because he does need Energon to summon the Megazord, so he's, like, in between episodes of him doing big jobs, he's probably just getting little jobs, like, there, there, you know, just, like, drops of Energon to get enough to do a big play. Okay, okay, fair enough. The fight starts, and Blue has a new temperature gauge on him, which apparently the gorilla designed and uh, and strapped onto his chest. And a temperature gauge is incredibly sensible. What's not sensible is the gauge screaming out loud that he is about to overheat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's his weakness is one of the more obvious ones, so I guess it, it, they're kind of, like, considering that uh, lost thing, and it, it's also kind of cute, because it has Gorosaki, that's his buddy roid, it has his face, that's, like, what it looks like, but yeah, it's saying, like, oh, temperature is risen by 0.2 degrees, overheat will occur in 820 seconds, I'm announcing your weak point and your, your limits. Uh, so it's, like, it's a quick fight, but it's a fun one, like, Enter is, Enter's got the moves, you know, he's very dodging, bobbing, weaving, which makes sense, because the rangers are attacking him with swords, and he doesn't have a suit, so they they kind of can't, like, hit him with the sword and have there be sparks. If Enter is hit with a sword, there will be blood. Yeah, but most of his attacks are with CGI, like, uh, wire tentacles. Uh, Blue's temp keeps going up and up uh, as, uh, uh, as Enter, like, kind of lands more moves on him. And before it gets serious, Enter just kind of nopes out and leaves the fight. Uh, like, kind of confirming something in thermal vision. And the uh, episode title uh, flashes across the screen at this point. Weak point is targeted. And I was like, yes! Yes, you go, enter. Get down with your bad self. Back at the base, Gorosaki is freaking out because he's... Because he, he's Gorosaki, but also because he gave something to Ryuji that was very loud and annoying in the middle of combat, and he, he doesn't want to be hated for this. Like, Gorosaki, the gorilla, 
very insecure in his position, which we'll get more and more into this episode. Uh, the, the other buddy would say, you know, Yoko would just get mad and Hiromu would say something very biting and soul crushing. Uh, but Ryuji, he's very grown up. He'll probably just give you some mild criticism and uh, laugh it off. Mm-hmm. And the Go-Busters come in. Yoko is angry. Hiromu says something cool, soul crushing. And Ryoji smiles, says, you know, hey, you know, it, it's a first draft. So there's got to be some problems and laughs it off. Uh, we got to uh, enter uh, watching battle footage from the quarry from a couple episodes ago and from the start of this episode, just confirming his suspicions that Blue overheats. And when he does so, he passes out afterwards. He's checking his footage. He just wants to confirm like some variables here Yep, to be sure of his little plan. Uh, the next scene is the uh, gorilla uh, approaches Blue and he says that he has approved uh, his button with a cooling system. The episode treats us like a joke. But Harry, this is a good fucking idea <laughs> that they really should be iterating and improving on. Good ideas are good if they work, but he tries to activate it, it doesn't work, and then it randomly activates a couple seconds later and, like, sprays Ryuji in the face. Yes, it, it can use improvement, but he should not be the first person who has come up with this as a solution. Like, the, this guy has a very significant weakness. Gorisaki looks over to the side and sees Yoko and, uh... Usada, kind of arguing about uh, maintaining the mech. Uh, Hiromu is off and, like, being very blunt. Uh, and Gorosaki just kind of walks up to the roof. He goes up to the roof of Solitude and stares over the city. The bike eventually shows up and, you know, they have a conversation. <laughs> they share some cans of Enertron, because apparently Enertron... It, it, it's still vague what exactly it is, but in addition to being an energy and, like, a gas, it could also be something you have in cans for, just for buddyroids. Sure. Fine, there's enough of a market to justify that. Let's just roll with it. So the gorilla is worried that he doesn't have the connection that the other buddy droids do. Because when he met when he met the Blue Ranger, he was 15, a fully formed adult. I mean, cl- close enough. He, he was he was very mature for 15. You know, he, he was just doing his homework. And we see like him starting to work out. And uh, Gorosaki was basically just doing some spotting, which is important. Come on. Come on, episode... Like, I, I'm almost 40, and I'm barely formed. Like, 15-year-olds are not fully formed. It's it's anime ages. It's it's different. But there's some... The show's... Like, he is basically the old man of the team, and he's 28. And I get that, but, like... You can be the old man while also being young and you don't have to pretend that it's like actually old and also like they can acknowledge that you know he's 28 he he still has a lot to go <laughs> before he's an adult like Gurosaki he sees the others being just very open and honest with each other uh you know I I feel like we haven't really been able to connect you know he, he's not able to just be casual and talk to me like like a buddy like a buddy roid uh, Kata enter, and he is making a fan droid, which uh, I was confused by because he confirmed that Blue overheats during things. So I was thinking he was going to go for like a flamethrower style droid instead of something that might actually cool him off. Yeah, and, and like it's not even like a heating type fan. Uh, but I, I think part of Enter Being Enter is that he doesn't want to be too obvious with the plan. Like he was figuring out that Ryuji was overheating earlier, but... What he wants to do, he wants to. He doesn't want the Rangers to realize that's what he's aiming at beforehand. That is true, I suppose. And uh, by the way, the monster of the week this week looks probably the most like a Pacific Rim Jaeger. Um, like 
looks more like that than any of the other monsters of the week so far. Just incredibly uh, could be walking out uh, into the ocean to, you know, to punch an intergalactic monster in the face type of thing. He's like a mix between Eva Unit 1 and um, Racial Slur Danger, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, I wish they would officially rename that or something. Uh, but yeah, uh, and so it's at this point that, you know, the Rangers, they they go and stalk it. They find it in a warehouse and they go around to flank it. And the boss of the week starts attacking by just sending wind at them and knocking them back. He, he's throwing them away. And, you know, Hiromu, he's he has super speed, but uh, he can't get like around it. And Yoko, her ability is jumping in the air, which means that she's not she keeps getting blown away. Uh, but Ryuji, he can kind of like just grab onto a wall and anchor himself. So it becomes clear at this point that the fan robot, the fan monster of the week, he's not trying to win. He is 100% a stall bot. He's playing to the clock. And after seven minutes, the Megazord shows up and Red is like, okay, it's only a beta this time and I can handle it. So I'll go out in zero one. You two uh, just keep things here. So we are down to yellow and blue who are getting like slowly tossed around like they they can't engage this thing. They're trying to flick, trying to get around, but he just keeps like either uh, sucking them in or blowing them away and just keeping them out of engagement range. Like no attacks have actually landed at this point. Yeah, he 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 does get close to sucking Yoko into his fan blades, which could go really badly, but Ryuji saves her just in time. Uh, when the Big Mac shows up, it is a flying type. It is very effective. Shoots down some lightning, and apparently the red the red Megazord doesn't have guns, so a uh, bit of a problem. Yeah, Ace has like a sword, but like I does even the car have? I feel like the car had little guns. I think the car might have little guns, so he probably should have just like gone car mode and like tried to tried to clip it out of the air. Yeah, but but I mean they're forward facing guns, so like would he have to like do a ramp to shoot up into the air? Oh, this is a Toku Japanese city, Harry. The the city's not but ramps. Still though, I, I think you know, that they're just showing it. A there's some weaknesses in this design. A little bit, uh, but uh, they realize okay, yeah. So this is a flag type. Turns out we also have a flag type who has some guns, so yellow, get in the game. Yep, you have a helicopter. Go there and kill stuff. Ryuji can kind of deal with the robot. And he really can, because it's just, it's rope-a-doping him. Going back and forth, and then his little uh, sensor thing. And, and there, there's a scene Sab skipped where Gurosaki came up with like a very like uh, set of different colors, like that was the problem. Ryuji had to be like, no, no, I'll keep this old one that also I modified to work a bit better. Uh, but it starts shouting, uh, hey, you're you're working too hard, you're overheating. So even, like, the the fan air, like, even with him being blown around, he's taking, he's using more effort, and he's in trouble. Yeah. And uh, kind of at this point, uh, oh, no, uh, the first thing that happens is Yellow shows up in a helicopter and is quickly yeeted into the sun. <laughs> Yeah, she she gets blown away by the fan mech in full on uh, Team Rocket blasting off again style. Yep, there is a sparkle in the sky and everything. And uh, whoo, I'm glad this is a kids show because she would have died. Yeah, she could probably like eject or something. Uh, now it's at this point that Enter shows up on the ground to do a villain vamp, and he's a little bit premature doing so because he is saying like, "Hey." I drew all the other rangers away, and I'm just, like, causing you to burn energy. You're about to overheat, dude. 
And when that happens, you're going to kill my back, sure, but then you're going to pass out, and I'm going to kill you. Yeah, Enter is just going to slit the throat of one of the main characters. It's it's going to be pretty brutal. And Gorsaki hears this and starts freaking out. Uh, like, he, he wants to go and help. The commander says, no, you're not really a combat mech, and we need you to pilot the buster machine. And Gorosaki says, fuck no, and kind of crabs himself into one of the, like, deployment chutes. And shoots himself real good style, and lands in front of the windbot, which, uh, it, it provides a windbreak, which, uh, gives Blue the time he needs to get into position, draw his gun, and actually fire at this thing for the first time. Uh, the windbot's a chump. He goes down basically immediately. Yeah, Ryuji, he takes out the fan, then he puts his weapons together to make the big gun, and kills it. And, uh, Enter just kind of, like, sneers and walks away, like, we see more Enter sneering in these episodes recently. Like, things are not going as well as they could be for him. And, uh, Ryuji, he's down on the ground, he's kind of hurt, and... Oh, but Ryuji isn't hurt, like Kurosaki is. And they, they just have a moment where they talk about those problems before of how uh, Kurosaki feels like they haven't let their guard down. It, it's, it's just kind of a pat episode, because they they bring up a problem, and then they... De- you know, it's... You see what I'm saying about this one. It's like... Maybe not even, like, a B-minus, like, a solid C-plus. Like, it's just it's just competent, and them dealing with this one specific uh, problem between them. And, you know, it's there's not nothing bad, it's just, it is what it is. This is a fine episode. Like, I liked the design of the mech. I liked the plan, you know? Uh, Enter is showing, Enter is being proactive in this one, which is great. After the heart-to-heart, Ryuji, he gets in his buster machine and does kind of he kind of launches uh the red mech ace into the air although he he flips over and kicks him up which you'd think with like a gorilla you would want to just stand and throw him using the arms i i I feel like that's the strength there gorillas are not famous for their kicking power i'm sure they got strong legs but that's that's not the the main feature really it's more a lower back thing where it's like you know he kind of curled up into a ball and then he quickly uncurled like a spring i think there's a thing with like pro weightlifters where like if you could squat a certain amount, then you could also, like, hop in the air because of your leg muscles. I, I wouldn't know. Shout, listeners may be shocked to hear, I'm not a pro weightlifter. Like, Red is launched into the air, and the big windbot is equally fragile as the small windbot. Um, these guys are not tanks. They are pure, disrupted pieces. I bet it got some anatrons, so whatever. Uh, the episode ends with uh, Blue and the gorilla having a moment on the Bridge of Solitude. They're uh, honest with each other. You know, for the first time, Blue says that the he liked the device, but it was too loud. And then the gorilla starts listing off all the things that annoy him about Blue. Yeah, like the way you looked down on Yoko and Hiromu like their children is kind of messed up. Uh, also, you keep redoing the maintenance that the engineers already did for you. and That's a little rude. And you've been like, uh, like you spend half an hour on your hair every morning, which is like a bit vain. And so the episode ends with laughs all around. So, I mean, it's just kind of like a Pat episode, which, like, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, just a standard thing you would expect of the series. Whereas the sixth one, it also has, like, it, it feels like part of the plots from other Sentai, but also, like, some of the, which are super, super dumb, especially in the context of who this Sentai team is. I know, I know, I know. Like, this this next episode, this really, really, really felt like, you know, they ran out of time for a week, and so they were like, fuck, break into the Sentai script vault, just grab one and reskin it. Because this, th- you could take this episode and put it in 
any of the Sentai series, and it would make more sense there. At the beginning, Yellow, she's uh, in the simulator, and she's, like, kind of speedrunning herself. She's fighting Megazords, and then when she wins, it does pretty well. She says, no, Isada, I'm going again. I want to get better, because, as the others remark, she's a little annoyed she was useless last episode. She is back from her yeeting into the sun. Uh, the people in the office, they ask, you know, well, uh, Yoko's pretty intense right now. What does she do on her days off? Which I guess does confirm that she does get days off. Well, you say that, but then the rangers go, oh, she's training or sleeping. That's that's all she does. She hates studying. And those are the three options for her as the property of the Energy Management Corporation. She, She's killing robots, getting ready to kill robots, or passed out. Yep. And... <laughs> The, the 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 new girl in the office says, doesn't she do anything for fun? Uh, she's, like, still a 16-year-old girl. What, what are we talking about? I mean, is she or is she a child soldier who has never known what childhood is? Both can be true. This episode, it's kind of like a MacGuffin that they need to establish, like, to make the new Megazord, they need one more specific thing. It's uh, this crystal thing. Looks like a geode, but, yeah, I guess it's a refined crystal. Uh, and turns out that there's some of it coming into Japan. It doesn't exist in Japan, which has kept it safe, which is another point in my favor for thinking that the enemies are incredibly localized because that is where the base teleported to, so they're incredibly limited for where they can summon things. It's also being used as part of earrings for a celebrity who happens to look exactly like Yoko. Okay, now here's where the episode starts to really go off the rails. Like... Sure, fine, the whole celebrity doppelganger thing, that's that's fun, it's very toku, it allows an actor to play two roles in an episode and flex their muscles a little bit, I have no issue there. The issue I have is that these guys work for the fucking military. Yeah. They have like, the ability to say no to a person bringing in, like, something this dangerous. Like, there's a scene where it becomes pretty stark. The start of it, she's, like, there for an interview... And uh, so the rangers are there in disguise. Uh, Ryuji, he's the waiter. Hirobu is a clown. Yep. I just dressed up like a clown for some reason, which also, coincidentally, these are the first uh, non-military clothes that we've seen these people wear. This is their first costume change. Hirobu has, uh, has like, three sets of military fatigues and ten clown outfits. No one asks him what he does on his days off. They're terrified. Uh, Yellow is on a roof. Still in her uniform. Still in her civvies. Don't feel bad for the actress. She gets to wear plenty of other costumes. The actress arrives. Uh, she has the MacGuffin earrings. And enter. He's off like a, at an empty stage saying, Oh, this, this movie is most très bien. Uh, lavish, let pas- lavish uh, yet passionant. So he transforms a camera. Yes, or a projector. Like, it kind of looks like an old-style projector type thing. And so the monster of the week this time, like last last episode looked incredibly solid, very threatening, even if it was not exactly the heaviest of hitters. This one does not even look threatening at all. It's kind of a kind of bulb shaped and uh, it has like, you know, this camera arm thing. And clearly it's another kind of stalker disruptor controller type, not a brawler. Uh, Ryuji, he really remarks again that she looks just like Yoko. And uh, as they're squabbling about it. They get the abnormal Enetron reading. So they know he summoned a Metroid, and there's also a Megazord coming. 
in four hours, 33 minutes, and 20 seconds, which is way longer than usual. So back at the stakeout, uh, which, you know, doesn't need to be happening. They could just tell the actress to go to another fucking city. Uh, they, uh, uh, the monster shows up a little off camera and copies someone with the camera. So that is going to be the shtick of the monster this week. Uh, they can copy other people. Also, the the Vagra signal disappears. Like this is a good enough copy that like their their vague sensing equipment can't sense its signature when it's disguised. And this monster does a very bad job at using utilizing this. Like it, this episode. Uh, I think maybe even in the series later on, there's a different mon- monster that has like a different version of this that actually plays around with disguises. This guy pretty much just uses a disguise to get within grabbing range of someone and then jumps forward. Not even like within grabbing, like it starts like half a block away and then just dead on sprints at them while like yelling, oh, I'm going to steal your earrings. Yeah, like if if it had gone forward to say like, oh, I'm such a big fan, let me get your autograph and then like gone in, it it would have won. But no, it's just, I don't think it goes that differently than if it had just been a monster, like, coming from around a corner. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't need to do any of this. But, yeah, so it goes for the earrings. The ranger's, like, knocking away. There's a incredibly brief fight uh, as it's, like goes up into a parking garage, copies another person, and sneaks out. It's not until later that they realize, like, oh, okay, so he, he's just hiding somewhere and he's going to make another attempt. It's going to have another chance at the press conference. And Ryuji realizes, wait, the press conference starts at 3 p.m., which is exactly what the Megazord is arriving. So Enter is telegraphing the fuck out of his moves here and making it so easy to avoid the conflict. And so the Ragers, they go to the Starlet and they're like, hey, can you cancel this press conference for a movie? To which her manager says, no. Okay, can you at least not wear those specific earrings that have the rare mineral that the monsters need to destroy the earth. And the manager says no. Okay. Hello, uh, famous actress from another country. I know you just got attacked by a monster like 10 minutes ago. And that's kind of weird. So you're going to be attacked again, both by another monster like on foot who could appear as, as anybody. It could be one of us. Like it's, it's very dangerous. And also a giant mech will appear possibly right outside the building and try to kill you. <laughs> Let's do something about that. And they say no. And these guys work for the government. They could be like, well, we don't give a fuck. Eminent domain. We're just taking the earrings. Like this is, this, this is a, this is not actually a request. We're making it sound like it, but we, we, we have the van with the black bags. Like, you're a celebrity from another country. That's the only reason you're still a free person. Yes, you don't like you do have a choice of this, whether or not to go the easy or the hard way. You don't have a choice of the outcome. You have a choice of how painful it is to get to the outcome. Like and Kent, the only interesting thing that happens here is that uh, Yoko says you're being stupid for like for a movie. You're going to get yourself a bunch of other people killed. And the actress says like, hey, don't you have a dream? Which does cause Yoko to realize she actually doesn't. Because she's a child soldier who has never had who has never had true childhood and has never had to dream of anything other than fighting monsters with a Gatling gun that she calls mother. The earrings were a gift from the actress's mother, and Yoko's like, uh she tries to remember it and she just sees like a vague dark shape standing above her. They do say, like, uh, that the commander and the, the people at the center did their best to raise her like a normal girl, which is why she's, you know, 
she's outspoken and like kind of bratty sometimes. So like they, I mean, they they did what they could, but they also are like a military organization like training to fight extra dimensional terrorists. So I guess they did do as well as possible. Yoko just says, "Hey, do you have a dream?" And like defeating the Vagros? No, that's that's not a dream. That's just something we have to do. Uh, but once it's over, once we're done with the war, maybe we can have a goal in our lives and have something to do. <laughs> maybe we can be normal. Just normal, normal people. But yeah, so after this, like, they they come up with the bait and switch idea where, you know, they're allowing the actress to be there and they're allowing the actress to bring the specific earrings that she really shouldn't. They don't just, like, God, they have, they even have four hours. Okay. They can make it, a cop thing. Yeah, it's stubborn than that, because Yoko is going out there, like, it, to impersonate the actress. But she's taking the real earrings. Yeah. Like, they, not even... You could go, know, like, I, in, in four hours, you could go to every jewelry store in town and find one that has earrings that look pretty close to this. That's I all feel, you need to I, do. I feel like this is such, like, a rote thing. Like, in, in Gokaiger, the way this would have gone is that, like, uh, it would have looked like, uh... It would have looked like, probably, probably yellow. Yeah, know? like, like, pink, pink is already too, like, uh, like, traditionally girly, so that that would be a bad match. So they would have, like, the type distinction to, for, for it to be yellow. Yeah. And so then, like, uh, you know, like, hey, you're gonna get all these people hurt for your stupid, you know, art project or whatever. I also, I feel like they would do, it like, a double fake thing at this point, where, because it's like the sky's monster, like, they would send someone else out to pretend to be the person and then they the monster would come backstage to attack her but then uh it, honestly in sentai there'd probably be like some uh kind of the joke where like one of the boys dresses up as one of the girls or something they do that exactly that thing and then they'd be like oh you tricked me again and then they'd fight and like kill the thing there's a lot of play they could have with this story a lot of it good and they don't really do anything with it and it, do you get what I'm saying, Harry, about this just came from the Sentai script vault because they did, they ran out of time and they were like, just grab one, grab one. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's more, the the thing that struck me about this episode that made me like it a little bit more was that they did have one of the characters realize like, oh, I've been raised to fight and have no dream or goals of my own. And they like, don't really fix that in this episode. They're like, they have like, well, when we're done, we can work on that. But like, also it's. I mean, we could just go to the mech fight at this point, because when the press conference happens, like, the dude just, like, jumps through the crowd. Like, he does not sneak up or something. He Just dead on sprint and, like, leaps at, leaps at the starlet, who is actually Yoko, and then they have a quick fight. And as this is happening, the giant enemy mech shows up, and there's fights and explosions outside. None of the press care. And, and also, the monster just gets one of the earrings. The bad guys win. You know, the bad guys win because they left the they left the MacGuffin in play instead of getting rid of it. I guess you don't need much to make the lenses of Megazord or something. I know, I know. It's just like, it's just a little bit of element and I don't know. He's going back to a super side space. He could probably synthesize more with even that little bit. Like, I I, I think, and so just quickly, like in, in, in the mech fight, uh, it comes down and Red's beating it, but then it copies Red and the kind of it almost seems to have his abilities too, so like it's a mirror match. And then when uh, the blue and yellow mechs show up, they Yoku just decides to shoot them both because whatever he has armor. Yeah, I, I appreciated that. That made me chuckle. 
and it works. It works. So like the the monster uh, reveals itself. They get into the Big Mac and instantly win. It even like because in the past few episodes they haven't used the Big Mac when they didn't need to, but in this one they just kind of resorted to doing it. Uh, I guess the one fun thing is that uh, as they're going away, uh, Angie Sue sends a message to Yoko in English. Sam, you better believe I I screenshotted this. <laughs> yes. Uh, nice, nice comedy beat there because, you know, the Rangers, they're at their office chilling after winning the day. And, you know, they get the email. They turn a laptop around to Yoko. She sits down to read it. After like 10 seconds, she says, I can't actually read English. Don't worry. Don't worry. Angie Sue can't write it. <laughs> Dear GoBusters, thank you for helping, comma, when I was in Japan. Although Crystal was stolen, it became my new treasure that I was able to meet you. Add Yoko. That, that was like a full sentence break. You who fight against a fearful monster were very, very cool. I do my best. It is not defeated by Yoko. Therefore, please aid. It is being prayed that Yoko's dream is found early. Thank you for protecting. Uh, there's a little bit more, but that's basically it. Episode 12, by far the worst episode so far, uh, this series. It just kind of wrote, you know, it's it's like the series is, uh, like, again, another comparison I can make. Remember the episode of, of Gokaiger where uh, Pink got kidnapped because a dude, like, and it, like, that was a whole thing. And they had a silly MacGuffin in that one because he had, like, a coin in his pocket that turns out was, like, had a bit of metal on it that could, like, kill the whole planet. They wrap that in very tightly with like, you know, hey, you say you're unlucky in getting this, but by picking this up and, you know, bringing it with you, you've saved the lives of everyone on this planet. You know, that that was a really good job at like having a bullshit reason for the villains to show up and stuff like that. And this episode just didn't do as well. It didn't. Like every series, every Sentai series, every Toku series, even the best ones, even the good ones, they have whiff episodes. And that's what this was. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the thing we're... Uh, encountering here is that because these rangers are very like they're basically professionals this is their job you know full time they uh, they have days off in theory but uh, they're like doing this uh, they don't have secret identities they don't talk about like side hobbies uh, and there's only three of them so uh, there's like less characters for them to kind of bounce around so it, it would really help if at some point pretty soon they started adding more characters to the series uh huh uh huh Hint, hint. So, are we about to get new rangers? Oh, are we about to get new villains? Because as much as I love Enter, he could definitely use some sidekicks. Mm, we, we get, uh, Enter gets some help, but that's in a little bit. But we will be seeing more people soon. But not, like, right away. Next month, uh, I'm not sure what we're doing yet, but I do want us to, like, uh, veer off and, like, break out. Maybe maybe we'll just like, do, like, a couple, like, we... We did games. Maybe we'll just, like, prepare a couple games and just do those in a row. Okay. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Give me you some can... warning so I can prepare. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a week. And you could figure out a way to ruin another of the games like you did 20 Questions. Like, if we do 20 Questions again, can you not be a total jackass about that again? Ah, oh, jeez. Okay, so we're having to do 20 Questions again. Um, what's What is the, what is the 20 Questions theme? Because we'll, uh, we'll figure we that did... out. But okay, we'll yeah, we'll, do, like, we'll figure it out. We'll do twenty questions, like because we don't need to watch an episode, so I'll just make I'll just prepare three light games. Great, so, like, twenty questions, and uh, some, um, so two other games. I'll, I'll decide. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> uh, 
but like any thoughts? Because like in theory, this is where we're kind of reflecting on like the first twelve, like kind of like the first mini arc of the Gobusters, like where they're just establishing the the crew because the crew is going to be shifting soon. Uh, I would say that the uh, the first like half dozen episodes incredibly strong for this show. Uh, after that, you know they uh, it definitely after the initial episode like adrenaline surge. Uh, you can kind of start to see some uh, waves, some flagging there uh, for the quality, um, like especially episode twelve, which was as phoned in as I've seen a Toku uh, a, sh- a Toku show. But I'm still quite liking it. Like I like the crew, I like the characters, especially Enter. Enter is a great, wonderful, campy, engaging villain, and that makes a that makes for a great show. Yep, instead of like a a whole galactic empire of incompetence we just have one guy who's very good at his job granted he's backed up by like messiah who is nothing but just screaming skull behind a windows 95 screensaver the the chief antagonist of the series is a very efficient middle manager yes and that's how it should be uh speaking of how it should be uh what should we be doing until next time we should be dancing and we're gonna keep dancing keep dancing everyone well, the games should be like a dance-off. I mean, I know there's no way for us to accurately do, like, dance-off type stuff. Well, first of all, I can't dance, so you would win, whatever. Uh, although if you did your... Although I did see your exposition in college, so, like... You might, you yeah, you might... You might be surprised, Harry. You might surprise yeah. the judges. You, you might just go... I could just stand still and you'd go negative. But, uh... <laughs> it's, not, it, it's hard to podcast dancing, is what I'm saying, but, you know, you've been here this long... You you do what you you go you follow where we go. Oh, goodbye, everyone. Hey, it's Future Harry here. Uh, we ended up just uh, doing twenty questions, but also watching episode one of Hotel Del Luna on Netflix uh, because Sam wanted to. So see that next week. Also, I didn't realize my mouse clicking was so loud. I- I'm going to try to figure something out. But anyway, hey, podcasting. Mm-hmm.